Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. I uh, speak to you this morning about, I just called it some thoughts about right thinking. <clears throat> and learning how to get right thoughts from the Bible. Uh, Matthew 22, I know of a, a pastor uh, in Texas. He was in prison for murder. When somebody went in every week with the Bible, another pastor went in every week with the Bible and preached to, that, uh, to a group of men. Uh, that, that came and he'd sit back there and he was just mad at the world, mad at life. And he was in for like 40 years. He had a 40 year sentence. And this gentleman uh, messed up in the head, messed up in the heart, everything. And he heard the gospel. And one night after the preaching, he was back to his bunk and he broke down and wept and cried to the Lord. And he could say the rest like me, but I was. To save you, if you will. And that night he knew God stepped in and saved his soul. And he started, when he came the next week to that meeting, he sat up on the front, he was singing, he was a different man, and he wanted a Bible. And the pastor handed the Bible, he says, I'll only give it to you. And he gave him his Bible, a pastor, which had all his notes and everything. He said, I'll give it to you if you will read it. And the guy realized he was getting the pastor's Bible. And he says, I will read it. He went home and he says, I've got a sentence of 40 years for a murder. I'm going to read my Bible 40 chapters a day till, till I die. And he began to read his Bible 40 chapters a day. He had plenty of time. He was in prison. And after that was, that was after just like 10 years in prison. Uh, somewhere around two, three, four years later, the, the parole board looked at him and says, this is not the same guy we put in this prison. We're going to parole him put him in parole. When he got out, he immediately started um, uh, doing all, at that time it was online, it wasn't online, it was video um, uh, um, studies about the Bible and theology. And um, he knew God was calling him to preach and he did, he knew nobody would believe it. But long story short is this, to this day, he's still reading 40 chapters a day and he is a pastor with a family, pastoring a church in Texas. Now, only Texas would take him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but here's the point. That Bible straightened out his mind and his heart. And it will straighten out yours. You get right thinking from this book. So, uh, let's go to Matthew 22. And let me show you, remind you of what Jesus said. He's asked about what is the greatest commandment, Matthew 22:37, And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. We know this verse, but if we paid attention to it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. There's the first one with all thy soul, and with what? All your mind. We kind of forget about that part. And the truth is, I wish Christians were right-thinking people, not just emotion-led and not constantly offended. The world gets offended. Don't you be like the world. If you've got a right mind, the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing and no one shall offend them. I know we think that we think, but we don't. We don't think like we were designed to, not like we're supposed to. Modern thinking has been left to the elites. We leave it to the highly educated to, to think things through. We leave it to the scientists. Modern thinking, for the rest of us, has been reduced to just getting along with everyone around us. Have you noticed, however, that's not working out? We're the most divided of societies ever in the West. Modern thinking does not allow us common people to think outside of the box anymore. 
You're only allowed to think and choose what everyone else has already decided. You're supposed to just follow the mega influencers on TikTok and Instagram and in the movies. It's called shallow thinking, emotionalism, and it's called laziness. My generation, I grew up, uh, I was born in 1963, so I grew up in the middle of the time when people were fighting for the right to think for themselves. Do you know anything about history? That was a time when we were, uh, uh, we as a, as, a, as a Western world was fighting to, to think things through for ourselves. And yet I would say more than 80% of the population of the Western world now actively seek for the government, actively relinquish all thinking to the churches and to the school systems and to the entertainment industry to do all the thinking for them. Just tell me what to do. And that is very dangerous because it has wrecked our homes, our society, and especially our churches. People don't know how to think in church anymore. People don't want to think. Most people have already made up their minds about everything. They really just want to be told that they're okay. They want to come to church and go, you're a good guy. That's what they want to hear. They, they believe that when they die, that the minister's going to get up and say he or she was a good person. That's all they want to hear. <clears throat> They, all, they, they want to be told that what they already believe is right. So they attend churches that talk nice, and they attend churches that say what, they are, what has already been said, and they only follow ministers and ministries that make them feel good or that they already agree with. So the world is headed faster and faster to hell. So the battle today is not for money or for land or for power, it is for the mind. Because inside our heads, the real war is going on. And it's only won or lost by the kind of thoughts that you and I think. That's why the devil wants you and your family completely dominated by the news. Completely dominated by sports, by entertainment, by friends. So that you don't do any of your own thinking. So that your mind never gets right towards God and towards the things that really matter. So I want to ask you, what kind of thoughts go along in your head? Would you be embarrassed if somebody knew what you were thinking? If you want the things that go on inside of your head to be right, stay with me over the next few weeks because I'll try to help you because I myself have been helped. So let's start here and let me just make a point here. Our mind is amazing. Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139 and verse 14. Hope you realize God designed you. Your brain is a product of engineering, not evolution. Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully, that means don't touch it, <laughs> don't budge it, don't try to improve it, geneticist. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. When he's talking about his own life, and that my soul knoweth right well so the truth is this about your brain your brain is more than just a ball of fat between your ears you know your brain is basically fat you know that right don't get rid of all your fat <laughs> your brain contains more than 100 billion interconnected neurons that's a one with 11 zeros after it 100 billion interconnected neurons that have trillions of chemical and electrical signals firing between them like, like, like fireworks. It weighs less than 1.5 kilograms. I mean, that's less than an iPad. 
That's your brain. And it's no bigger than the two of your hands put together. Okay? That's what's inside your head. It is the ultimate computer. It takes vast amounts of data from all your senses. And it spits out decisions on the fly, like, do I wear a t-shirt or a jumper today? All of that is done because it's able to sense what time it is. What's the temperature? It senses smells and tastes and voices and individual words, sights and, and noises and pains and excitements. And then it links all that information together to make a thought, a decision, a memory, a snapshot of a moment in time that you remember for the rest of your life. Just thinking causes you, did you know, just thinking, all right, causes you to lose 2% of your total body weight every day. You want to lose weight? Think better thoughts, all right? <laughs> That's why good, healthy meals make for good, healthy minds. Junk food makes for junk heads. Remember that next time you reach for a Kit Kat, amen? It's the ultimate computer. Yet for most people, all that ability inside our brain and our mind is wasted and lost and messed up. It's rarely used. You do know what amusement means, don't you? Amusement, now there's nothing wrong with laughing and being amused, but amusement means no thinking. <laughs> Muse means think, a uh means not. And when you are constantly only wanting to be amused and made to laugh, all you're doing is you're letting somebody else manipulate and do the thinking for you. Don't waste the ability that God gave you to think. And it's why most, even Christians, struggle with right thoughts going through their mind. So, what are right thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what they're not. Right thoughts are not always happy thoughts. You know, somebody says, oh, that person must be really spiritual. They must have right thoughts because they're always happy. Not at all. Ecclesiastes says it's good to go to the house of mourning. James says, cry and weep. There are times when it's supposed to, your, your, mind, your thoughts should be somber and serious and you know, to bring you to a dead stop. Right thoughts aren't always happy. So don't get the idea that somebody, well, everybody was just happy. That doesn't mean we're thinking. That means we're all on drugs. Right thoughts are not always sure either. I'm not sure about everything. There's no arrogance in a Christian. So it's not always, you don't have to always say, I know uh, what is right to do. Now, with my kids, they always thought I knew what was, you know, they thought I was perfect. And I never gave them the impression that I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> But right thoughts aren't always sure. <clears throat> May still be being formed. They're not always deep and philosophical thoughts, too. Sometimes, sometimes right thoughts are just enjoyed. Like, I'm saved. Jesus is coming again. I, I don't understand it. <clears throat> the, uh, I, a right thought would be, God is working all things together for good. <clears throat> I tell you, I don't understand it, but I enjoy it. Right thoughts are sometimes just enjoyed and rested upon. <clears throat> right thoughts are not always judgmental thoughts either. There are people who always see the dark side of everything. They, they, they only see problems. They think it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's their job to go and see faults among people. That's not a right thought. <clears throat> and also, let me say this. Right thoughts are not only religious, religious thoughts either. Do you know when, you're, when, 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 when 
you're married and, and you're at work and you're thinking about your wife and you wish you were home. That's not a religious thought, but it is a right thought. Amen. <clears throat> when you're thinking about what you could do with your kids and say, I'm going to I'm going to surprise them. That's that's a right thought. I'm going to go and do something. Song of Solomon is not a super religious book. It's between a, a, a husband and a wife and they're joy together. And don't think that you have, well, I have to have a, I have to have a, a religious thought to be right. Not at all. Right thoughts aren't only religious thoughts. Okay. <clears throat> Let me tell you what they are. Just four briefly. Right thoughts are what God thinks. Do you know what God thinks about you? That's crazy. I mean, I don't know why he wastes any time thinking about me. But right thoughts are what God thinks about everything. Not what the majority thinks. Or maybe how you feel. Don't, don't think that that's how God feels. But right thoughts are Bible-based thoughts. God gave you his mind right here. Somebody says, I wish I had the mind of Christ. It's right there. That is how God thinks and how God sees the world. <clears throat> Seeking the mind of Christ, how he saw things, how he thought about things, will change the way you think to make them right. When, when an enemy is, is saying something and attacking you, you've got to think about, well, what does Jesus see in this person? How does he see this person as lost, as in need of, of, of grace, somebody who needs uh, needs. Uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, the truth spoken in love, never had somebody love them, so on and so forth. What is, hey, you're in an argument with your wife? What does God think of your wife? Well, I got I to gotta stop arguing. What does God think of your husband? What does God think of your employer? Oh, I hope he hates him. <laughs> what does God think of your neighbors? What, is he, what does God think of politics? What does God think of Michal Martin? He thinks enough of him to have died for him. What does God think about what you watched on Netflix last night? What does he think about all the problems and the troubles you're going through? Is he numb? You see, a right thought is thinking things from God's perspective. I think it would surprise you to find out what God thinks about just about everything. <laughs> Right thoughts are skeptical of everything. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you find Timothy, go back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just a few pages. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. Very short, powerful verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. All right. So everything I'm telling you, what should you be doing? Testing it. You should be skeptical of everything I'm saying. You should make sure, did it come from the Bible? Is it what Jesus said? Does it make sense according to what I know the Bible says? Do you see... It, it, we, there has been generations after generation of people who just went into church, switched their brain off or left it at the door, came in, whatever the man said, so be it. Everybody stands up, we stand up. Everybody gets on their knees, we get down on your knees. Everybody's taking that piece of bread, I go to take my bread, that piece of bread. And there's no thinking, no thought, no questioning, no proving, no testing. And so generations of entire nations have been lost because no one thought. 
No one asked the questions. Reporters used to come up to politicians and ask the hard questions. Now they back up the politicians. They won't ask the hard questions. It's wrong. Right thoughts are slow to believe what everyone else may be saying or believing. Back in the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s, they came along and they invented something called DDT. How many of you here remember that, those three letters? I cannot pronounce it. DDT was a, was a poison that they said would kill mosquitoes. And so huge lorries would drive through neighborhoods as children were outside playing and would spray those neighborhoods with this mist called DDT. And as they did, they got on television saying, we are taking care of um, mosquitoes because there was a lot of mosquitoes in California and different places in America. And they would drive around and spray the kids out <laughs> in the front gardens of all of the houses. And they said, scientists have said this is a safe product. And 30, 40, 50 years ago, all those kids were dying of cancer like nobody's ever known. Science cannot be trusted. It must be tested. 1973, there was a swine flu, a different swine flu than the one we had 10 years ago. There was a swine flu, and they came up with a vaccine, and they spread around, and 9 million people were asked to take this experimental drug. In 1973, all of a sudden, there were, after about six months of putting this thing out, there were all of these adverse effects, and all those scientists who said it was safe had to back off and say we made a mistake. Let me tell you, just because science says something is right, or just because the politician says something, or just because a preacher says something is right, don't believe it, not until you. You have done your own testing and your own research. The Bible says prove everything. You see, a right thought says, wait a minute. I may have heard that before, but I want to know, is it true? And that is a safe society. Right thoughts are able to come to your own conclusion. Right thoughts want the truth and won't settle for anything less. This is important now. Right thoughts don't think evil of others. Look at your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. <clears throat> Speaking of selfless love in a relationship. But you know, this is, this is not just between a husband and wife or in, in a church. It's how you should live. And it says verse 5, Hebrew, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't act out of line. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. And look at these next three words. Thinketh no evil. What does that mean? It's not a spiritual mind. You don't have a spiritual mind if you only see the dark side of everything. If you only remember bad things. I know what he said 22 years ago. <laughs> That's not a right thought. Um, right thinking doesn't mean you go looking for faults in others. and You don't dwell on the faults and failures of other people, even though you know you're there. See, a, a right thought is not a, an idiot thought. Do you understand what I'm saying? A, blah, blah. a right thought knows there are faults among us and knows we're all wicked, but doesn't think it. We don't think ill of other person's motives, of their opinions. Somebody else has a different opinion than you. Don't go, oh, well, that's so stupid. Don't think ill of their conduct until we're compelled to do, by, to do so by the most unbreakable evidence. I call it giving people the benefit of the doubt. You understand what that word means? The benefit of the doubt means 
I, until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to believe you're right. I'm going to let you have your opinion. I'm not able to say yes or no. Now, some people call that positive thinking. That's not positive thinking. That's respectful thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? So right thinking gives people respect, the same respect you'd like to have put to you. Amen? And Christians of all people have to get to the place where if I want right thoughts, I'm not going around judging and making sure everybody else is seen as wrong so that I can look right. Those are Pharisees, and that's not us. Last thought about what they are, they are settled thoughts. Not always changing every wind of doctrine. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. To the right, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. 414. Speaking of the church growing and maturing, it says this, that we should not be henceforth be no more, what? Ephesians 4.14, be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Tossed to and fro, and I wouldn't do this, but here's Brendan here. If Brendan uh, got over here and I threw him over to uh, uh, Gavin, Gavin caught him, you make sure you catch him, okay? And then um, he's trying to get away and he's, uh, Gavin throws him back to me and he has no free will of his own. He's thrown back and forth between two bigger people who are in control of his life. You wouldn't like that for very long, would you? Probably not, Brendan, right? Well, the Bible says not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. Slight meaning uh, cunningness and craftiness and, and their ability to impress you. And cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive no, we're settled. We know. Do you know what the gospel is? If somebody asked you how to get saved, could you tell them how to get saved in three minutes? Or would you hum and haw? And do you know some things? I have known people in this church, and I spent hours and hours and hours with them, and they never could settle. Are they saved? Never could settle it. Never could settle whether the Bible, the King James Bible, was the word of God in the English language. They never could settle it. Never could settle whether it was a trinity or not. Never could settle basic fundamental things. Don't be like that. There are some things you better decide. There are a lot of things we may never figure out. But there's plenty of stuff that we ought to have settled. Those are, I, listen, I am married. I settled that 37 years ago. Okay? It's a, I don't question it every morning I wake up. Amen. <gasps> Who are you? <laughs> I settle that, okay? There's no doubt. There's got to be a, a, a mentality that says, I want right thoughts that are based upon foundational truths that I've settled. I know I'm saved, and I'm saved forever. I've settled that thought, and I settle it not because I feel it. Do you know there are people who wake up and they don't feel saved? Guess what? They are saved. Amen? Because the Bible says, if you call on his name, you're saved. That's it. Now, right thinking is good for us. Right thinking is healthy for us. It produces fruit in our life. I'll show you three fruits. Go to Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. When we first moved into our house, we, there in Westcourt, I, we went to, um, Ah, which garden? I think it's Nagel's Garden Center. And we bought three trees, all right? Um, we bought three apple trees. I don't know why we bought three. I, we were told we only needed two, but we got three, okay? I like three, maybe that's it. And I planted, boom, boom, three in the back of my garden there at the back wall so we could look at them every day and watch for fruit. 
And weeks went by, months went by, years went by, and then just one of those trees started producing fruit. Years went by, that one tree is the only tree that ever produced fruit. Guess what I did with the other trees? They're gone. <laughs> Let me tell you this. There ought to be fruit in our lives, and if there's not, I'm going to guarantee you there's some reasons why, and one of the reasons is because something's wrong in between this, these two year, ears of mine. Go to Matthew 12, 34. 12, 34 says this. Oh, yes, oh, generation of vipers. He's speaking to the Pharisees. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? Watch it. How are you going to be able to say something good? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the first fruit, if you have good thoughts in your heart, guess what? You're going to produce good words. If, if people, uh, and I'm not saying that they're nice, all lovey words. No, no, sometimes the best words are straight up, clear, truthful words. Amen? Just don't mess. Just tell me the truth. Tell me the truth in love, okay? But right thinking produces right words out of the abundance of the heart. If I've got right thoughts going on inside, they'll come out. And that is so important. What you think about. And what you, let your, your, what you let affect your heart will always determine what words come out of your mouth. Second thing, go to Proverbs 23. We'll come back to Matthew in a moment, but Proverbs 23. Verse 6, Proverbs 23 and 6. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Now, an evil eye means he's looking to take advantage of, of situations. He's got an evil eye. He only sees people as clients and, and objects to be taken advantage of. And he says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. Why? For as he thinketh in his heart, that's who he is. What he acts like, oh, he treats you to a free dinner. Um, uh, my wife and I, got uh, she found something my wife's like an eagle uh she saw uh, uh says um come to uh, where do we go somewhere in spain come to spain spend a week all free so she's typing in there as long as you go for one of those seven days that you're there one day they convince you to buy in their timeshare so my wife and i prayed and we developed won't power so no matter what they said we want to go for the free week so we went for the free week. And that entire day that we were there, they put the pressure on. I mean, whew. they laid out, showed us the beauty. Look at the pool. Look at the dinners. And look at this. And look at the view. And desire not his dainty meats, because what he wants is your money. All right? <laughs> and at the end, after that entire day, we looked at him and he says, no, thank you. And they went, maybe we need to go over it again. He says, no need to go over it again. We just want... We just wanted to come down and get a free week. It was a fortune of a hotel we were being asked to stay in, and we got it for free. But I tell you what, there are a lot of other suckers that couldn't say no. You know what the second thing, what am I getting at? It says right there, as, a, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right actions, I mean right words produce right actions. What you think about become what you do. And what they, what they put on on the outside, don't worry about all the things, the flash, the beauty, the lights, the, the, the dainties. Worry about what they're thinking, all right? Because what they think is what they will become. And that's true with a Christian. 
You will become what you dwell on. That's why becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is a process that begins in the mind, through the heart, and out the hands. I want to be like him, and I don't become like him magically. I come through the word of God. Right actions, and, and that is the best fruit. Your whole needs to see a better Christian, a better person than you were before you got saved because you're thinking right. The third thing, go back to Matthew. One more thought here. Matthew 15 and verse 8. 15, 8. It produced the fruit of right worship. I mean, there's a lot of fruit, but I thought of three things important enough to say this morning. Matthew 15, 8 says this. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. Oh, they can sing. They can karaoke. <laughs> and they honoreth me with their lips, but their heart, their thoughts are far from me. You can be in a crowd and act like you're worshiping, not actually worship. Right worship is where you're engaged, where you're active, where, where the thoughts going through your mind bless and honor the Lord, and it comes out your mouth, and it's in unison. It's not fake. It's not, not empty. And that's what the world is, is, is looking around and doesn't see real worship. They ought to see it here. They ought to see it among us. So what if you struggle with wrong thoughts and wrong thinking? Well, let me say right off the bat, it is normal and natural to struggle with wrong thinking. Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Right thoughts are not our normal thoughts, folks. They don't come naturally. They don't come through education. And they don't come through YouTube. They come from God. They come through godly influences. Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous. What should he forsake? His unrighteous thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. Verse 8, for God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So there's no way that my brain naturally knows how to think right thoughts. It is our nature to think evil things. Go to Mark 7, Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. Mark 7, 21. Starting verse 20, he says, That which cometh out of the man, Mark 7, 20, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart, proceed, what's the first thing he says? Out of your heart proceed evil thoughts. That's where they come from. It is our nature, it is our tendency to think lustful, evil, hurtful thoughts and it's inside every one of us. People don't like hearing that, but that's the truth. Um, even Christians struggle with evil thinking. I'll show you 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and he tells them, I'm worried about you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. Second Corinthians 12, 20, For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I should be found unto you as such as you would not, lest there be 
debates. Now, debates are arguments, fierce arguments. Envyings, wraths, strifes, that's fighting, backbitings, whisperings, swellings. You know what a tumult is? It's a riot. That's going on among Christians. Half of those things all are thought things. Debates, you're wrong, and I'm going to prove you, you're wrong. I mean, where does all that come from? It comes from our own hearts. But if that, if that is so true, and it is, we should not let wrong thinking run wild in our heads. Would you really allow an angry bull or even a stray cat to run loose in your house? I told you one night I left my windows open, this was years ago, and I heard something crash in my office upstairs, and I thought, we've got a burglar. So underneath my bed, I keep a hurley stick. And I jumped out of bed, and I'm sneaking in there, and I crack open there, and out the window he went. <laughs> and some cat had come in my window that I left open. I'm telling you, that cat jumped, and I jumped. <laughs> it was terrifying. I was ready for a burglar, but I wasn't ready for that. But do you think I would go, ah, sure, it's just a cat. Let him run around. No, no, no. Get that thing out of there. And uh, that's just a small cat, okay. It's just a small thought. It's just a small angry thought. What about the big angry thoughts, like a bull? Would you let a wild bull in your house? Why would you let it run wild in your mind and in your head? Thinking that I should allow the thoughts that go on in my head out of control is, is the worst thing you can do because that's the devil's playground. You ever heard that? The mind is the devil's playground? That's when he's in charge. So every morning from now on, I want you to remind yourself, I need to open my Bible and say, God, teach me how to think right thoughts. Don't let me, don't let me just go through my day thinking as I normally do. Give me right thoughts. So over the next few weeks, and I'm done, I'll give you a little chart real quickly. You can take control of your thoughts in the name of Jesus. Watch this. You can break the cycle of constant confusion. We're not knowing what you should think or how you should feel about certain things. I, we just feel instead of, should I feel? Should I be upset? Should I worry? That's a good thing to ask yourself. Break the cycle of confusion, manipulation, because when you are confused, somebody's going to take advantage of you. You read in, in, in the church fathers, you read in there, it says, call your, your uh, priest father. And you read in the Bible, it says, call no man on earth your father, spiritually speaking. Well, which one's right? Then the priest comes up and the bishop comes up and says, we'll explain it to you. No, you won't. I can think for myself. I will choose the Bible over the church fathers. Amen. So manipulation comes along and takes advantage of your confusion. You can break that. Then there comes offense because you see other people are different than you. And that's why religious wars and political wars happen because people get offended and you cross the line and you did this and we're going to fight. And it becomes a bad reaction. If you have a history of just reacting bad, it's because you're in a cycle that ends in ruin and you're just quitting. You just I give up. I'm not even going to keep trying. And you can, with a biblical thinking, you can start to replace all of that stuff with absolute truth. I don't have all truth yet. No way I'll ever master all the truth. But I know absolutely what is right about the most important things in my life. They are absolute, unchangeable. I'm saved 41 years, and they don't change. 
I move biblical thinking brings in constant question and testing. Somebody comes along and tries to say, well, I'll help you this and say, okay, you're, are you qualified? <laughs> uh, what are you going to use to show me the truth? I just ask questions. Change the way you think to where when people are different, you put up with them. You put up with them, man. Forbear them. Other people are upset at you. There you go to that church again. Why are you going to that church? You know that church is not like our church. Just put up with them. Just smile and wave, as they say. Instead of bad reaction, turn it into a smile. Love you. Here's, here's Weston. We're downtown, and somebody, I don't know. They always love me. They love uh, Yuming, but they don't like Weston. I mean, they pass by. They're cursing. He goes, Jesus loves you. <laughs> I don't, but he does. No, <laughs> that's not what you say. But that's how you're supposed, that's it. When he's got right thoughts going through his mind, Somebody else's offending words and offending actions don't affect him. Amen? Because you've got right thoughts. That's a soul who's not fighting you. They're fighting Jesus. And in, instead of being ruined by all the stuff going on in the world, we stay standing. Amen? We stay standing and we end up worshiping. We end up finishing. We say, Lord, this life is for you. My, my life is a living sacrifice for you. I don't want to quit. That's what biblical thinking can do. So next week, I'm going to help you change your mind. Because that's what, that's what we're wanting, okay? And I'm going to teach you how to replace wrong thinking with biblical thinking. Before that do, I want to finish with these thoughts, all right? Inside your head, a real war is going on. Probably don't want to admit it. <laughs> but wrong and sinful thinking. You know, I, I found, and I've, done, and I've done some marriage counseling there are some people I've read some things you know what the number one reason why most people fight and argue one reason you ready you ready it's because he's wrong <laughs> no it's because of misunderstanding they picked up something and they misunderstood what was being said what was going on and it builds and builds and builds and all of a sudden becomes a wall misunderstanding and if that thought of confusion had been nabbed and cast down and says, I'm going to find out if that's really true. It could have saved years of fighting. As amazing as our mind in is probably messed up. It's probably the devil's playground, wasted, rarely used, and not developed. If you only knew what you are capable of knowing and doing with right thinking, it'd blow you away. Four things make a right thought. Do not forget these. Number one, they are what God thinks. I want to know what he thinks. When I was a kid, I want to know what my dad thought. I don't want to know what my granddad thought. I, uh, I told my granddad, I told him, we're going to live on Mars one day. That's what I said. I said, I can't wait to go. And my granddad said, why would you do that? I went, I hadn't thought of that. I just wanted to go to Mars, you know. <laughs> my granddad said, you know there's no air there. I said, no, granddad, that's the moon. He said, no, go read it. There is no air there. Just carbon dioxide. You will die. I went, Really? So I started reading. My granddad taught me, think, don't just, you know, blithingly go along. We're just going to be floating around on Mars. I want to know what my granddad thought. After that, any time he gave an opinion, he didn't give his opinion very often. When he did, it, boy, it settled some things. Well, now I turn to God. What does God think? They are skeptical of everything. I mean, it's not wrong to sit there and look at me and go, all right, all right, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm following you, but I'm, i I got to read it with my own eyes. Third, don't think evil of others. That's why we don't listen to whispers and gossip. That's why I don't think evil. Somebody may be just as wicked as sin, but if, if, if I meet them until I know that I know they're out to kill me, <laughs> I'm going to try to be a friend to them. Amen? 
Don't think evil. Thinketh no evil is a great challenge. I need to see everybody as souls for whom Jesus died. I don't care how bad they are. I want to love everybody. I don't trust anybody, but I want to love everybody. Does that make sense? And then there's settled thoughts. Things that you know that you know. What do you know for certain? Did you know you can know that God made you? I mean, it doesn't take, I mean, we're going to be teaching that to the kids starting tomorrow. There's irrefutable proof that there's a creator who designed you, who coded your DNA, who, who made every part of you perfect. You can know it. He made you and he wants you to know him. Jeremiah 29, 13 is our memory verse. And you shall seek me and ye shall find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Do you want to know him? He'll say, I'll show you. You can know that he loves and wants you. John 3, 16, God so loved. I loved it when the guy who was giving me the gospel said, put your name in there. God so loved Craig Ledbetter that he gave his only begotten son. Blew me away. God loves you and wants you. Jesus lived, died in your place on the cross, paying your penalty for sin, which was death. He did that for you. The wages of all sin of all people is death. That death was enough and is enough to make you righteous. But the gift of God is eternal life. I don't have probationary life, making sure that I can live up to it. I'll never live up to it. I received justification, full forgiveness. I've been made righteous. And then all is left for you to do is repent and believe it. Jesus went around preaching and says, repent and believe the gospel. That's what he said. Do you believe it? It's like except somebody came along and gave you a, a check for a million euros. How quickly would you grab it? Why would you put, oh, I don't know if I'm worthy of it. <laughs> what do you mean? It's there looking at you. Don't miss it. And you'll know you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13 says, um, uh, uh, and this is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Um, uh, uh, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What is the third verse? Mm, 1 John Yes, I know that part. I'm trying to remember 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have everlasting life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know it. Isn't that good? That'll change your life. It certainly change your destiny. Let's bow for prayer. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, the things that go on inside our head are usually things we're ashamed of. Things that are secret. You exposed it. You said, if a man lusts upon a woman with her in his heart, it's as if he's done it in an act. And, and nobody knows that's going on except that person. And the truth is, it's still wrong. It's not a right thought. And anybody who ever struggles with that usually wants to be free of that. And that's just one item. How many things go on inside of our mind that we're ashamed of, even as Christians? Um, God, I pray that we would yearn for right kind of thinking. We're never going to have perfect thinking. We're going to still struggle, but wow, I shouldn't let things run wild. I should have control over the gates and the activities of thoughts in my mind, especially in my heart. So thank you for these thoughts, God. I pray that we would ponder what we think. And we would be careful. 
But you gave us a well-engineered mind that should not be wasted, should not be ruined by all the junk of this world, God. Praise Christians, we would start thinking things differently, seeing things differently as we read your Bible, as we let it change our thoughts. If there's somebody in this room who's not saved, God, they come to church, they try to be religious, but they've never been born again, I pray they talk to me. I settle it, please, today, in Jesus' name, amen.